On the charge of conduct unbecoming a United States Marine, the members find the accused guilty as charged. The accused are hereby sentenced to time already served, and you are ordered to be dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. This court-martial is adjourned. All rise. What does that mean? How? What did that mean? I don't understand. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. I know. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. What did we do wrong? It's not that simple. What did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong. Yeah, we did. We were supposed to fight for people who couldn't fight for themselves. We were supposed to fight for Willie. Happy Sunday, baby brother. It's the 5654 podcast, season two, episode three. I think it's uh, season three. Sorry, season three. <laughs> who, we won't who do cares? another take. I don't, I don't know. No, well, well, why? Season I don't. Three, you, you wanted three. seasons. I just yeah, wanted I, episode I numbers. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I watched this show on YouTube with uh, with Jen in the mornings, and they're on like season thirty or something because every six weeks or whatever they take a week off and then they call the new se- a new season after the week right. off and it's like, what are you doing? It's a way to organize things. But there's, like, hyper-organizing. There's, like, overdoing it. Yeah. And yeah. I get it. They put out, you know, 200 episodes a year. You can't do, like, episode 1,200. Right. Right. It's 21st of February, 2021. Uh, and the movie this week is? A Few Good Men. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, I really, uh, I watched it again recently, which is probably why it's on the show, and uh, I really enjoyed it, and I I forgot how good Tom Cruise used to be. (laughs) Right. And it seems like, I don't know where, he just decided that, and, and I don't blame him for this, like, maybe he just stopped having fun making movies, and so he just decided to start doing, like, dumb action movies all the time to have fun you know what i mean and yeah. I, I don't blame him for that because he has and all make the a money lot of money in the world. make a lot that. of money make a lot of money so it's a uh, 1992 film based on a sorry ann aaron sorkin play uh a 1989 play screenplay by sorkin as well directed by the wonderful rob reiner as we all know him and love him as meathead uh, from way back in the 70s. This is actually our second Reiner-Sorkin pairing, because we've also done The, the American President. That's right. Which that's is another right. one of our favorite movies. Another one, yep. And so uh, the cast, let me run it down. So just a huge cast. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Pollack, uh, <laughs> Wolfgang Bodison, who was a walk-on role. Uh, as um, Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson, United States Marine Corps, uh, J.T. Walsh, Michael D. Lorenzo as Private William Santiago or Willie, Noah Wiley, Cuba Gooding Jr. I mean, just an amazing cast. Christopher Guest, 
Uh, Joshua Molina, who shows up in other Aaron Sorkin uh, titles and, and works. Uh, he, by the way, is the only actor to reprise his role from the original Broadway production. It's like uh, one line. Yeah. <laughs> and Sorkin also makes a cameo at a uh, apparently a DC bar. So just a, a great movie. Um, a lot of action. A lot of great lines in it. Uh, kind of funny in spots. Uh, but certainly a, a legal drama, to say the least. And this line comes towards the end of the movie. It's it's right in the last scene of the movie, yeah. Um, where our characters are, are, not our main characters, but our, our defendants um, kind of have, I think, you know, Dawson, who's, who's the main defendant here, because uh, I will note that in listing the 10 actors that you just listed, you did not mention the ca- actor that plays um, Downey. Oh, I didn't. You know, I, and, and, and for good reason, because he sucks. Yeah, he's he sucks just kind of he's he's lame. Um, but for good measure, James Marshall. James Marshall. Well, my, my joke is, why is James Marshall the worst actor on Twin Peaks? You see, like, I'm not giving you the option to pick another actor, because he is the worst character in now three seasons of that show. He's terrible. Um... But, but as if to prove the point of Downey's, you know, innocence, he's not even important enough to the plot, <laughs> except, you know, what Dawson kind of gets him to do. Yeah. Um, and, and Dawson's realization at the end of the movie that they were, f- you know, um, fighting the wrong fight, as it were. And I, I, I hesitate to bring this parallel into it with American president where he has that great line. That's I was so busy keeping my job that I forgot to do my job. And I think Dawson has the same realization that, that he was so busy trying to keep it that he, he didn't fight for the person that was supposed to be fought for, which is those that cannot fight for themselves. Um, And I, I don't even think that means in a, a, war situation right where they needed willie to run mile laps or whatever but he just he was in a position where he was uh as kevin pollack puts it earlier in the movie they picked on the weaker kid and i think dawson has that realization and and i noticed while i was watching it this time actually that that reiner cuts to kevin pollack reacting to that he doesn't cut to to Tom Cruise or Demi Moore. I mean, he does, but he first cuts to Kevin Pollock because Kevin Pollock's the one that's like they picked on a weaker kid, um, and and that's all they did, you know. And I, I think Dawson's realization that that we we are all, you know, I I think charged with attempting to work as best as possible for those, for whatever reason, are not capable or willing or or whatever to do it for themselves and i you know i i I sort of feel like i take that seriously um i think you do too um and i i really you know i really glommed onto that this time when watching that that dawson has this moment that was like no we deserve to be punished because what we did wrong was not realizing what we should have been doing yeah um yeah Oh, no, I, I think that that's spot on. And every time I watch the movie, that, that line, or this line, rather, resonates with me. I, I think, you know, as, as we discuss these matters and these types of 
you know, art meaning meeting real world or, you know, the, the consciousness around us, you know, I always go back to this is a, a failing of, of the human element, right? So this is, it, it's not the, it's not the Willie part and taking care of Willie. It's the, it's the fact that I didn't see that before I took this action, right? I didn't have the filter. I didn't employ the intellect. I didn't do any of those things in the heat of the moment. I just, because, you know, and again, as I say, you know, there's that, that big long exchange between Caffey, who is Tom Cruise's character and, and Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Jessup or just Colonel Jessup. Colonel Jessup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, about, you know, my Marines follow my orders, you know? And so, and, you know, he kind of gets him to admit that if that's the case, then the only reason anybody would have done this is because you gave the order for the code red, which, you know, in military parlance is kind of this out of band or uh, under the table. It's a hazing. It's a hazing. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And so, the you know, they just don't think and they just do and they don't raise their hand much like what Willie was doing. You know, to say, look, what he did was wrong, and I'm going to go against... He wanted off the base, right, there at Guantanamo Base, Cuba, and... Which is still open, by the way, but... Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, company Windward, or Windward Company? I don't know. Uh, and so, they... Well, sorry, Willie gets himself into trouble because he reports this incident to the Atlantic command and it, it runs afoul of everyone because, you know, it's supposed to be this tight knit group and, you know, we're supposed to keep things in the family and so forth and so on, which is just a bunch of rubbish and ends up getting people into trouble, you know, and, and you, you see that in other industries, you know, in insider trading is one, you know, where you, you get caught into, the, this mess and it's like, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll keep it within. And, and it leads to these sort of unethical, not sort of these unethical, immoral behaviors and actions. And if we had only stopped to think for a moment before we did that thing or said those words, we would be so much better off. <laughs> not on a, not only on a personal scale but on a, a, a community and national and global scale we'd be so much better off but we're not yeah and i mean i think um you know part of that is um a, you know i think i think duty pairs nicely with the idea of responsibility yeah that that one ought to be responsible with Power that they have uh, to to steal a dumb line that gets repeated from Spider-Man, right? That great power, great responsibility sure. go together. But um, you know, I think we seem to have fallen into a period, and maybe maybe this is not, and you know, I'm not like you where I think that you know this is the one. This is this is finally the end of the world. Like every generation, you know, thinks it's the end of the world in some way. But um, I I think that there's this. Uh, situation wherein we we've there was a sort of responsibility or, or duty that existed 
um, you know, in a cultural sense that like we needed to take care of people. And, and it seems like the rejection of that has led like from, from people who were her, you know, I don't know how to word this exactly, like being looked after, cared after, which sounds again, really elitist and terrible. And I'm, I'm hyper aware of that. Um, the, their rejection of anything coming from above as, as elitism, uh, I'm air quoting, um, has led people that have the power in society to just be like, to hell with it. I don't want to do anything. Uh, I don't want to do anything for anyone that's not, you know, my little group. And uh, in some ways, I'm kind of, I'm fascinated because we, I think, grew up in a, in a culture that's very much, we take care of our own. Um, I mean, what else is the caste system but that? That, that we only look after our own. And then there's also the kind of back end of like, but we're, you know, this cast, therefore we have to do some, some things for those below us. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's a weird dialectical relationship in that sense. Uh, but I, I I do very much feel like we, we grew up in a way that was very much like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to help somebody else? Why would you want to do something, you know, uh, there are very few teachers, I will say, from our, uh, you know, group of people having grown up. There are very few people that would do anything like that because it's not a profitable area to go into, right? But it's a sense of duty that brings some of us to teaching. Um, and and it's not something that's generally shared, right? Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go work for a government or something like that? So, you know, I, I certainly, I try to practice it, and this is nothing new i'm not great at it but it's something that i i try to find the balance between being an elitist ass <laughs> and um you know also trying to say like the things that i do in terms of political choices and things are yeah i i i do have a lot of you know if not actual physical power um a kind of cultural knowledge and power a kind of capital um cultural capital we would call it over in the, the marxist realm um you know this knowledge to try to do things and to try to benefit others through it but once that sort of you know there's a backlash to that too um you know it's it's complex and i i think i i can understand why some people now feel like ah to hell with it i'm just gonna take care of myself um i'm not there yet but We'll see. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a couple of components here. You know, if I were to try to simplify it as much as possible, there's the you know, make yourself, mar yourself. You know, that you're ultimately responsible for yourself. You know, you're accountable to yourself and your behaviors and actions and thoughts and all these other things, right? And then two, the drive for rights has overwhelmed the need for duties. Mm. So there's this just constant, endless chase for rights. My right for this, and my right for that, and I got this right, and my gun rights, and my, you know, whatever. Pick your rights on both sides, all sides of the spectrum, as opposed to, you know, what is our duty, right? So... As opposed to walking into a company and saying, you know, I have a right to make my money 
or get my benefits or whatever it might be. And look, you, you definitely have to make sure that all that's been figured out. But once that's figured out, then really it, it, it should turn to duty, right? And I think that's what he's really saying here hmm. is that it is our duty, right? And that's a strong word, obligation. And I don't know, again, I forget the exact quote, to help folks like Willie. Right, we were we were supposed to fight for those that couldn't fight yeah. for themselves. Yeah. O- obligation, right? Not, and that's I think that's even stronger than purpose. So, yeah. what is our duty? What is our what is our obligation? It's that approach that has been set aside for what's in it for me, and we hear it all the time, right? Well, you know, what's in it for them? You know, with them, it's a common business. Abbreviation, yeah. right? What's in it for them? W I I F M. I'm asking, what's in it for me? With it, sorry. <laughs> Great with, line and exactly. feel the dreams. Yeah. I'm asking, what's in it for me? Um, um, I don't want to blame your generation. Well, you can blame my generation. Oh, good. I was gonna anyway. I mean, but I was you know, gonna, it was. I was gonna couch yeah, it. I mean, look, like it's know, not the, your the, fault. The Reagan, the Reagan years was about. You know, it was, I remember it, the me generation, and it was the B-school generation, and, you know, it was about uh, polo shirts and Argyle socks and, you know, pennies in your loafers. I mean, it was, I wouldn't say it was hedonistic. I mean, it wasn't Caligula, but, you know, it, it was the modern version of that. It was about corporate America. And yeah. and it, it was it, it began to create this sense of me, mine, ours, and not yours, us, we. It it it, it moved us away from that, and and I don't know. I mean, I I think that had been going on for a long time. I don't think it. It just it. There was a there was a hockey stick moment, right? So yeah, if you know it was growing like this when you got to the Reagan years, it just did a you know yeah. a ninety degree upturn in terms of where the focus shifted for each individual, and that yeah. and the focus was back. <laughs> the hockey stick arched up certainly, but then it looped back and it said, "Well, it's all about me and what I can get and what I can have and." And look, some will say, you know, there's been a great deal of progress, been a great deal of accumulation of wealth at all strata of, of the economy, some Not more true. than others, <laughs> much more than others. And so, you know, some could say, well, there's been a lot of benefit, but what's what's been the societal cost? What's been the psychological cost, the emotional cost, the, all these other things, you know, that are going on? the health costs, which is, you know, ultimately uh, Private William Santiago had health issues, right? And so yeah. that caused his, you know, his situation, this weak kid situation, right? And so, yeah. which was no fault of his own. Anyway. Yeah. Well, no, I, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of my... Um, 
scholarly time, we'll say, sort of also focused on that time period that, like, the dismantling of the idea of a public, um, that there's the, the things that are public need to be gotten rid of. Public schools, public water, public everything, minus, you know, public military and, you know, corporate welfare. Somehow we're all on the hook for that. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a dismantling of everything that was positive about living in a society in some ways. And it's taken, uh, you know, it's, it may not, you're right. It didn't start then, but it went from, you know, it went to a, to quote another Rob Reiner, it went to 11 on, on the scale. Um, and we've seen a lot of the dismantling of public institutions in the last 40 years since that happened. Um, and it, it makes it impossible to try to meet obligations. You see, it's not even that, like, I want to meet an obligation. And, and there are ways you can do it independently. But I, th- I think the idea of doing it in a public collective sphere is getting more difficult in order to benefit those that didn't benefit from that system in the first place, right? That, that, that we're making money regardless, you know, we're, we, we have enough money that we're going to send our kids to school anyway. We don't need to pay tax dollars into a public system. We got ours. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, this is, I think one of those places where we, where we seem to usually be at, at a disagreement that like, yes, I can do stuff on my own, um, in order to try to benefit other people, but it becomes, it, it's not just about me. It's not just about what changes. And I, I know what you're going to say here, which is that like, I, I do one thing for myself and it'll branch out. Um, but I, I, you know, I think that's, you know, start, I mean, you have to work to those big things. It's not always just about improving, you know, I can improve myself, but it's, I think you have to think in, in a larger context and, we we've made it not only that we've dismantled those things, but I think we've made it so that it's impossible to do them in some ways. Um, one can teach, you know, and find different avenues of teaching, but then suddenly it's like, well, maybe the best policy. I think we've talked about this, uh, you know, in in my situation that like, oh, maybe I start like a a private thing for doing it. And it's like, but that doesn't meet the goal of the the larger cultural aspect of it does, does that make sense I, I feel like i'm sort of rambling but yeah no it, it makes sense i think again i'll bring it back to a personal level it, it very much has to do with what your intent is yeah so yes it may not be at the institutional level and yes it's difficult and no you probably won't see any money from it so forth and so on where where I was getting from a personal perspective, if it is your obligation to yourself that you need to be teaching, right? This material that you've spent I don't know, 25 years learning, I don't know, it's been, it's been a long time. It feels like it. Then that's what you need to go and do. That's your obligation sure. to yourself, first and foremost. And then yeah. you can expand on that in terms of, okay, what is my obligation to you know the students to join and you know, maybe you could get it funded and so forth and so on. And then that, that obligation, that sense of duty grows. That intent is what is missing, right? Mm. It's what I'm, and I won't say it's missing. I think it's diluted as compared to generations before us. 
Was it ever at a hundred percent? No. Yeah. No. Right. Absolutely not. I mean, I'm one of them and I'm going to be here in a few minutes. It can be quite lazy. Right. And so the, but, but the, the seed of all this is what is your intent when it comes to your interaction with other people, with the society at, at large, on the global stage, et cetera, et cetera. And you are your own best role model if you can pull it off. Sure. But until then, you know, we're, most of us are just lemmings, you know, stuck <laughs> in shiny metal boxes uh, to rip off a police lyric. And so we, we, we can't get our, we can't get out of that. We can't get out of that mentality of our intent is to aggrandize ourselves. Yeah. Well, until we get out of that, all is lost until that moment. And that, I mean, look, I, I do it as well. So you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's tough to it's tough to conquer that particular piece. You got a real interesting thing going on in the back there. I thought I would just based on I guess there's a tree that. The shadow. Anyway, I'm, I'm watching my oh. brothers. Oh, yeah. you know what that is? This is actually pretty cool. Um, in the background, I have a pillow that has like those little reflect. It's like oh. a mermaid cover, and so the sun is reflecting off of it, and just got you, it, got it. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a psychedelic it. kind of thing. Yeah, it's actually one of my. It's why the pillow is over in the corner there, um, oh, because in the yeah. afternoons I get this really cool effect. Yeah. Um, and you can't quite see it. There's an Elvis, velvet Elvis <laughs> in the corner velvet, there. I've seen the velvet Elvis. Um. Anyway, but sorry. Yeah. No. No. It's a good good distraction. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think that it really does get back to that sort of like if I can't do large, I might as well do small and just make sure that I'm taken care of. And and I agree with you that the the intent has narrowed. Not you know, I think it might be an equally good word that that it has become well, I can't do because of whatever list of forces working against one. Um you know, I I, I think uh you sort of then run into situations. I think uh, this week is actually a really good example of what's going on in Texas. Um, you know, there's been this kind of like independence, you know, the classic sort of Texan independence, you know, we don't need anybody else. And it's like, well, now look and see what you've done to your citizens that are now, you know, and it's not even like you can, from a personal standpoint, be like, well, I'm going to do better about my own energy usage. And then suddenly it's going to be better for everybody. It's they needed collective action in the first place. And, and they blew it off and decided that like the way that they were running things was great because it made a lot of people, a lot of money and they're screwed, right? There's literally nothing they can do right now. Um, anything that was sort of a public function has shut down. Um, you know, they're, they're not able to literally all that will help is time and how many lives will be lost or damaged as a result of it in the middle. And I can't help but wonder if these are those moments that are like, Hey, maybe stop for a second and think 
about the way we utilize resources, the way we share them within a society. I'm not even talking about like on a national scale, but on a, on a, you know, regional scale. Um, but I, I also know, you know, cynically that nothing good will come of it. Uh, nothing will change. There'll be no law change, which is what should happen, right? There should be some kind of, you know, the people and the government should be in cahoots working together to, to fix problems, um, which, you know, is also kind of the world we're living in in terms of the pandemic, right? We're, we're not prepared for these things because there's no money in preparing for a global pandemic. Um, so the next one will just happen again. It's not like it's a, a one and done situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't learn anything, you know, on a on a cultural level when these bad things happen. Um, and in part because we're so forced into the situation. It's like, well, as long as I can get to take care of myself, who really cares what happens? Um, I don't well, know. We've, and, proven, uh, we've proven time and time again throughout the pandemic that collateral damage is just now inevitable and it's yeah. it's okay to accept a half a million deaths so long as one person or one parties or whatever whatever their rights are whatever yeah. their desires are and lead to as long as those things are being fulfilled yeah then you know it's okay if a few people get hurt or die along the way and and look i you know it'd be hard to imagine what would happen if the tables were turned and you know the the current party were in a situation that was similar what they would do and everything one would hope that they would act in accordance with some level of ethics yeah. uh, some sense of obligation but who knows Push comes to shove, you know, because it's all about maintaining power uh, and be it political or economic. And so it'd be hard to say what would happen in that in that same situation, given the current political backdrop. I, I don't know what would actually play out on stage, but it'd be interesting to watch, I guess, and perhaps a little sad. But yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, at the end of the day, we 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 tend to shirk uh, responsibility towards one another, and there's you know the the only way to start that journey is to start with yourself, and you know try to tell that to seven billion at you know call it eighty percent five point six billion adults. If you take all the kids out that maybe don't have a fully formed intellect, although I sometimes find some of them are smarter than us, old codgers, right? So you take 5.6 billion people and you go, look, you got to figure this thing out and not be so concerned about, and it only takes one person to step out of line and for everybody else to go, oh, well, that guy or that gal... You know, it's the classic, uh, you know, the, the big thing that I always talk about is makeup. And I know we're a little off topic here, but it, it's, it's, so the purity of... We have topics of, on this podcast? What's that? We have topics on this podcast? Yeah, I don't know. Not on my watch. So, so makeup, you know, there's something I think wonderful about just 
a person as is, right? No makeup, just whatever. And you could argue, well, if everybody did that, then we would all be on the same level playing field, as they say. But then the minute someone steps out, usually with a lot of money or a lot of power or a lot of ambition and puts on makeup, then everybody else now immediately feels like they've lost ground, right? That they, their, their envy and their jealousy gets the best of them, and so they've got to jump out of line. And then everybody else, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's like the line from uh, Ghostbusters, you know, um, mass hysteria. Because we can't, we 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 can't feel like we're less than someone else. It's all, well, it's my right to have makeup. It's my right to have whatever, whatever it is. I mean, just picking on makeup because it's such a um, there's such a public display of it, right? And it's a huge business. Yeah. But what if you just? What if no one wore makeup? What if? Yeah. You know, everyone were just human and the same. And nope, that's not good enough. I got to be different. But you are different. No, no, yeah. no not like that. <laughs> not not uh, different from what I was born with and what I've nurtured to get to this point in my life and to to continue to to grow and, and mature. But this artificial veneer that isn't me will never be me. And that that's where you know to get back to the movie here again i think it's interesting if you took harold dawson's line and you he said that to himself about himself yeah that his first job is to make sure he's taken care of so that then he can take care of other people Again, I think the line is beautiful as it is, but isn't that really where it starts? I don't know. I'm just posing the question. Yeah, I mean, I I think in a sense that um, what he's kind of saying there is that I I do have the I, I acknowledge that I have power. I acknowledge that I've been given a responsibility and I didn't use it. Mm -hmm. I didn't properly think through it. So I think to an extent there is that acknowledgement, maybe not in that line exactly, but um, that he has been given all of the tools or, or earned them. I'm not saying, you know, it's like God given talent to be a Marine necessarily, but um, that he, he, he worked towards that and he had it. Um, and then he was supposed to reach back and help others. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a terrible feeling. I, I, we were watching, um, one of our favorite YouTubers who's also a podcaster a guy, CGP gray did this great video that came out yesterday where he was wandering around London, uh, where he lives, um, during the lockdown and, you know, just filming empty streets and empty places, mostly, until he gets to some market that's just packed full of people, uh, which he immediately left. Um, and and I was it got me thinking about um, one of my you know favorite topics, of course, uh, being healthcare, um, and how in the late forties, when the U- the UK was absolutely devastated by World War II, economically physically population wise all sorts of ways is when they decided we have to do something in order to benefit 
the public good and developed a national health care system for which I'm sure has many faults, um, no doubt, but which they at least said we need to do something as a nation to work towards something. And I, I can't help but feel that we've the, the way we keep sort of avoiding those sorts of things, we never in this country ever develop that kind of mentality. Uh, we never have, I mean, I think the pandemic would have been a great opportunity in some ways, right, to sort of start realizing that we are a nation of people connected to one another, regardless of if one person lives in Kentucky and one person lives in Washington State or whatever. Um, you know, and, and it's it always humors me when, when I'll be honest, conservative friends say, well, we're too diverse a nation to do anything like that. And it's like that that you're imagining is is really just so surface level and our inability to organize is going to ultimately i mean i have no doubt if if not you know this year then the next you know 200,000 years will no doubt be the downfall of humanity on this planet um assuming we make it that long right i mean but it's just it's it's our our inability to kind of work together and and to to realize these duties that keeps us from being politically engaged well there's um, a reason they call it states rights and not states obligations <laughs> right 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 um speaking of and this is kind of where i i wanted to go uh with the question this week if you're ready um so uh i would you know, most of our, our existence, I think I would label you uh, a definite sort of libertarian leaning fellow, um, you know, again, which I feel like has its roots in a very a 80s thing. Um, B, again, I, I would label most of our fellow daisies as sort of libertarian leaning, this sort of like, we'll take care of our own, other people won't, you know, whatever. We can't rely on anybody else. And we also don't want to do anything for anybody else. Um, how has your, the, the reading and the, the learning of the kind of spiritual stuff that you do, how has that infected like your politics? And cause I, I feel like your politics have shifted if I, mm. if I may say, yeah. um, you know, and I, I'm kind of curious how, how those two things relate. Cause I, I think they relate for a lot of people, um, and, and not being of the, you know, spiritual realm myself i'm i'm curious how that affects has affected your politics yeah so uh, interesting question i i think it has affected my politics uh to, to some degree i think it's made me wiser in terms of looking at good versus bad good versus evil, whatever, however you want to, you want to talk about that. So I think there's been certainly a, a, a sharp contrast from the last four years from, I would say, the last 40 years in terms of good and evil, right? So, I mean, there's mm -hmm. been that, that sort, of, sort of sharp contrast in personalities. I think... As well, there's, you know, getting into the, the philosophy of it, there's still very much a libertarian element in 
the Vedantic tradition, right? It's very much a you make yourself, you mar yourself. This concept of you have free will and you have the ability to go in this direction, which could be you make yourself or you go in that direction and you mar yourself. And make and mar are completely relative directions to the individual. Your make and yeah. mar are different from my make and mar. There's no like absolute judgment. You know, it's interesting. They say apparently in Vedanta, in the Shastras, uh, which is this Vedic, knowledge there's not one you shall not hmm. well, thou shall not there's nothing that says so there's this here's the knowledge now take it and make it your own and then find whatever you want to call it transcendence salvation whatever it might be so there's very much a libertarian bent towards it because i'm not going to tell you what to do you don't tell me what to do but what what we're not going to do because we see the self in one another, big self, big S, yeah. we're not going to hurt one another. Mm. And so that's when you start getting into the, the kind of collective element of it, right? That we are this common self. We are this one God or one entity or one whatever you want to call it. And I know you don't believe in all that, but... The, there, there is this common thread between us all, and you often talk about it, but you don't, you don't ascribe it to anything, right? right? You just say, "Well, it is." Well, and we can get into an argument about that some other day. But the when you start getting into that, and you start seeing that otherness, or that oneness rather, in others. Then you start to go, okay, well, w what is my obligation to that other individual? What is the level of love that I should have? What is the level of respect I should have and how I should speak to them and how I should treat them? That learning over the last 11 years now has certainly had an impact. And, and I think that, you know... I couldn't bring myself to vote for someone who would would go against that, you know, would mm. would try to undermine that. At the same time, try to be careful with the practical elements of, you know, try not to have a lot of debt, try not to create unnecessary uh, enemies, try not to get involved in a, you know, land war in Asia kind of thing. I mean, it's just... Yeah. You know, th those kinds of things you, you want to be mindful of, while at the same time, the real struggle is yourself, you know, and lifting yourself up and away from those things that, that bog you down and distract you and keep you from that transcendence or whatever you want to call it, reaching the self, self-realization, pure consciousness uh, on my deathbed. And so that, that's, been, that's been part of the journey. And I think it manifests as, okay, what do I do at the voting booth? Right. Yeah. Certainly. Um, I think also it, it means I will do something. So you can't just sit on the sideline. You have yeah. to take action, right? Yeah. 
it can't be a passive. So, you know, if any of you are familiar with Bhagavad Gita and the conversation between Krishna and Arjun, and, you know, Arjun is in the middle of the battlefield and he puts down his, um, his bow and arrow and he says, I'm not going to fight my relatives. And Krishna's like, are you crazy? You've got to fight, you know, come on, man, let's go. Yeah, but I'm going to kill my, you know, mentors and my cousins. And he goes, that's, that's not what this is about. And so you, you've got to get out there and fight. And where you can, you've, you've got to get out there and you've got to ferret out fraud. And you've got to, you've got to, you know, you got to stick up for the, the willies of the world and, 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 the, and, and the like. And, and, and that's important. But that's got to be an internal thing. That intent's got to come from deep within and it can't be manufactured. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, th- I think that does get kind of back to to Dawson that that that's the realization he has is that I had this knowledge of what my responsibility and what my duty was the entire time, and I, I need to fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. Yeah, and you have to wake up every morning and you have to remind yourself of that because as soon as you get involved in the day to day and work and family and money and all this other stuff your mind gets away from that and that's when you neglect and you don't pitch up the question well what's right at this moment in time what's the direction i should go in now and you forget and then you slip and then you you have those kinds of those situations that uh Harold Dawson faced. This podcast is hosted by Anchor and available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, or pretty much wherever you get podcasts.